Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Yearly Bible reading program. I see that many of you are participating with that on the Bible app. Uh, Really want to encourage you to continue to join us and uh, read through the Word of God in the year 2019. I also want to say uh, good job to those of you who are participating in the Speak Life Challenge, 30 days of no negative speaking. It is an incredible thing to be a part of. If you uh, have not heard about that, I preached about that last, uh, last uh, Wednesday night, or previous Wednesday night, uh, and uh, maybe you want to take the challenge with us to... Uh, to refrain from any negative speech for the, for the month of January, it'll change your life this morning. And so there are some, uh, there are some certificates. If you want to make that a real thing for your life out on the table, uh, you'll have the chance to do that today. Um, glory to God. I believe we can open our Bibles this morning. Glory to God. Let's get down to business. Numbers chapter 13 this morning. Numbers chapter 13. This is a familiar story, an important story to the foundation of our faith and to the foundation of the nation of Israel after they had come out from Egypt and going into the promised land that God had given to them. I want to use this uh, story to encourage you this morning. There's a familiar story that you might have heard before about a drought that was happening in a, uh, in a village in the nation of Crete. The priest of, the, of that particular village called his people together on a Sunday morning, and he began to speak to these, this uh, community of farmers. And he told them that this drought is certain to destroy our way of life. There's nothing that could possibly save us except for a torrent of rain. His call to the people on that Sunday morning, go to your homes fast during the next week and believe God that come Sunday, the torrent of rain will come. The villagers heard him and were inspired by his message that day. They made a commitment to pray and fast throughout the week. God, send us the rain. The next week, they came back to church on Sunday morning, all of them having said that they believed the pastor for rain on that particular Sunday. But as soon as the priest saw them coming in to the church on Sunday morning, he was furious. He said, leave, leave the church. I don't want to see you because you do not believe. But, but Father, they protested, We've been fasting, we've been praying, we've been believing all week. And he said, oh, you believe. 
then why didn't you bring your umbrellas? How many know this morning that faith is more than just a feeling? Faith is more than just a warm fuzzy that you get on a Sunday morning during a service. Faith has to do with the words that we speak, and faith has to do with the decisions that we make in life, our actions. And so if I passed around a survey this morning and it had a question, do you believe that God has the power to change your circumstances? Every one of you would check, yes, of course, I believe, yes, of course. Theologically, we understand that God is powerful, that God is mighty, that God is on the throne, that He is omnipotent, that there's nothing that God cannot do. We could figure that out if we put pen to paper. But when it comes to our real daily decisions, when it comes to the words that we speak, many times there is a disconnect between the things that we know to be true and the things that we believe. So I want to challenge your faith this morning, and I want to challenge your, your words today. And so this is a message I've titled, Faith That You Can Hear. Let's read from Numbers chapter 13. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit, so just follow along as we go. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So right there in verse 2, before we get into this, I just want you to notice that before the whole story begins, God already promised them, this is your land. I am giving it to you. Did you notice that? Before the whole story begins, God says, here's my promise. Here it is. I'm going to bless you with this incredible land. It's yours. I am giving to you the children of Israel. What a wonderful thing that is. So now let's skip down to verse 26 to see what happens as they send in these spies into the land of Canaan. Each uh, representative from each tribe goes in and they, they send this delegation to spy out the land. And now they've come back, and they're about to give their reports. Uh, verse 26, they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27, then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. Truly, it does flow with milk and with honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, here it comes, the evil, the negative speaking. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Termites, they all dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites, they dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb... Thank God for Caleb. God, give us a few Calebs here this morning. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Do you notice the difference between the words of those who don't believe and those who do? Verse 31. But the men said, the, the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. 
And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. And we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And so we were. So this is chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voices. And they cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained. Say complained. They complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation and said to them, Oh, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in the wilderness. Do you see the results of evil and negative speech this morning? Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Do you see? Do you see? Don't they remember what Egypt was like? Don't they remember the whips and the chains? Don't they remember 400 years of bondage? All of a sudden, through negative speaking, it's looking very appealing to them. Verse 5, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel, Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tore their clothes. They spoke to all the congregation, listen again to the words of life. The land that we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Verse 10, look at the results of these words of faith. And all the congregation said, to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting before all the children of Israel. What an amazing story in the Word of God. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for the inspiration that it provides to us. I pray this morning that you would raise up a congregation of Caleb's and Joshua's today. God, that we can look at the situations that we're facing, the land that you are giving to us, God, the blessing that stands before this church. And God, that we would not be whiners and complainers. God, that we would not be negative speakers, God, looking back to the land of Egypt. But God, that we would be people of the future. We would be people of purpose and vision and hope and people of faith this morning. And no matter what giant stands in the way of your people today, God, that you would give us the confidence and the faith to speak life into every situation. We thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people would say, amen. Amen. So wonderful to be in the house of God. Again, a sermon I've titled, Faith You Can Hear. And let's look firstly at the edge of destiny. This is where we found the children of Israel. We found them in our story standing on the edge of the thing that God had given to them. They're on the edge of their destiny. For hundreds and hundreds of years in the land of Egypt, they had become slaves. 
They had for hundreds of years been in chains, been in bonds, been enduring the whips and the torments of the Egyptians. For hundreds of years, not only were they enduring such terrible things, but they were also crying out to God. For 400 years, it says in the Bible, that they were crying out to God, send us the deliverer. Send us the one who's going to bring us out from this slavery, who's going to set us free and bring us into the land that God had promised to us. Can I tell you that the promise was a lot older than, than, than most people believe. The promise that they're talking about, the promise for this land that flows with milk and honey, this promise was given to Abraham, right? This promise was given to Abraham and all of his descendants. And so Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had a son, Joseph. Joseph be, uh, had a son, uh, had a son uh, uh, who became Israel, right? And, uh, and, and uh, Jacob, Jacob who became Israel. And that from him became the 12 tribes of Israel. And from these 12 tribes, they moved into Egypt. And they all would have known about this promise. The promise that extends across the Middle East from the sea all the way as far as Jordan from the north and the south. And God told them that wherever your feet shall step, that he would give it to them, right? So for 400 years, they're looking forward to the destiny that God had given to them. They're looking forward to the ultimate reality of having their own land that they can dwell in that was promised to their forefather, Abraham. All those years they were crying out, God, bring us into our destiny. Make us the people that you've called us to be. For 400 years under the oppression of Egypt, they're looking forward. Still they have faith. Still they're believing, right? They say that every Jewish holiday, if you know any Jewish people, it's pretty funny, but every Jewish holiday is basically the same event. It's uh, they tried to kill us, we survived Let's eat. That's basically every Jewish holiday. And so they celebrate to this day the Passover, which is the same thing. The Egyptians, they tried to kill us. We survived. Let's eat. And uh, what a wonderful tradition that they had that God has delivered them through trial after trial after trial and through the whole 400 years of slavery. Here they are looking forward to their purpose and the destiny that God had given to them. And here they are. It's to the place now in our scripture. They've, they've put those things behind. They're following their leader, Moses. And they're standing on the edge of the promise that for so long they've been crying out for. And once they get there, they don't believe. I believe that that is a picture of many people in the kingdom of God today. That is a picture of many people who for years, perhaps, have been crying out to God, God, deliver me. Deliver me from this addiction. Deliver me from this difficult situation. God, this is not your will for me always to be in this problem. Always to be in financial Egypt. Always to be in Egypt in my marriage, in my home, with my children, God. And for years, you know, perhaps years, months, we cry out to God, we pray, God, Lord, I know that you are able to deliver me, to bring me into the promised land for my situation. And there are many times that God brings us to the point of destiny, right on the edge. 
where certain victory lies just on the other side. And at that moment, God demands for us to believe. But because many of us, we falter in our faith right here at this moment, just like Israel did, we are not able to enter in. It says in verse 2 that they sent in spies to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Is it possible you're here today, you've been wandering in the desert for a while. Is it possible you have, God has brought you to the point now where it is time to take your destiny. It is time to step in. I believe this morning that God, He does not allow us to stay in the same place spiritually. Did you know that? You know, it's a good thing that your children would go to kindergarten when they're five or six years old. That's a wonderful thing. Everybody needs to go to kindergarten. But if your kid is 10 years old and still in kindergarten, there's a major problem, right? If your kid is 18 years old and still can't draw a straight line with a crayon, we've got a serious problem on our hands, am I right? In the same way, there are spiritual grades, spiritual levels that God calls us to grow. God calls us to advance. God calls us to step up in our faith. And it's wonderful for all of us to go through the time of the new convert experience where we're learning about who God is and what He wants us to do. But you can't stay there forever. We are called to spiritual maturity. We are called to enter in to destiny this morning. I believe God is calling us, each one of us, to our own personal promised land. God is calling our church to a promised land of destiny and purpose. God is calling us to a vision, a place that we can enter into this morning. And you, this morning, is it possible you are on the edge of your destiny? I just want to say that it is critical the kinds of words that you speak when you're on the edge of your destiny. It is critical. In this year of 2019, I've put a challenge before you for this month of January and hopefully into the rest of the year that we would reform the pattern of our speech. Because I believe this church is on the edge of its destiny. That before us stands a future of hope, fruitfulness, destiny, evangelism, discipleship, church planting. This is the destiny, the promised land that God has for us to enter into. But it is going to be critical right here, the kind of words that we speak. I just want to remind you quickly about the power of your words. And if you've been following along with, uh, with the messages I've been putting out on the church website, the blog, and the emails, and things, I've touched on a lot of this. But I just want to remind you today about the power of your words. James 3, verse 3 says, We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the entire body. Isn't that amazing? James is telling the brother of Jesus, right? He grew up watching Jesus, little brother of Jesus. Well, that'd be a high-pressure job, wouldn't it? Why can't you be like your brother? But here's James, and he says, if you are able to figure out how to control this little thing in your mouth, then you have the ability to be a perfect man. If you can bridle this wildfire that lives in your mouth, then you are able to bridle the rest of your wicked body. That's incredible. 
And that's why it becomes such a focus. It's so powerful. Verse 3 again, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and turn their whole body. Look also at ships. They are so large and driven by winds, yet they are turned by a very small rudder where the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. In the scripture that we're reading today, we see that power at work. We see the power of the words that are being spoken in the ability to direct the future of an entire nation. Can you imagine? Just a few words spoken on one day, a few words spoken either out of, out of fear and doubt or spoken out of faith and confidence in God, that these words are going to steer the next 40 years of a whole nation. Can I tell you, beloved, when you're standing on the edge of your destiny, God is listening to your words. And they have the ability to steer your life either toward your destiny or back to the desert to wander. What are you speaking this morning? What words are coming out of your mouth? Are they words of life that are going to produce fruit and destiny? Or are they words of fear and doubt that are going to bring you back to, de- to unbelief? Let's go today. Let's go look at the, the usual words of unbelief. Because what we find in our scripture, we find a very obvious example of both words of unbelief and words of faith. Let's look firstly at these normal words of unbelief. So what is normal? <laughs> normal is negative. Normal is doubt. Normal is fear. Because that's what is natural to us. Naturally, we do not see God at work in every part of our lives. Uh, We have to overcome our flesh to be positive. Can you say amen? We have to overcome the things that we're seeing with our eyes. Now, let me give these people some credit before I tear them apart, okay? First, the thing is, is that they have gone into the land and they have seen the challenges there, right? Verse 32 Uh, they said that the land that we've gone through, uh, we saw men of great stature. He said we saw walled cities. They said that we saw all these problems. And listen, they are just giving a report of the things that they've seen, right? And so uh, the problem is not that there are challenges. God knew that there were challenges in the land that he had promised to them. Listen, God, uh, God didn't reach down and just start flicking off all of the enemies, all of the termites, right? He didn't just do that automatically. He says, yes, I'm giving you this land, but there's going to be a few battles to fight. Right? And so these men, they have uh, spied out the land, these 10 who had come back. The the ratio here is 10 to 12. That's a 4 to 5 ratio. 80% of those who came back came back with a negative report. And that is usually the ratio in an average group of people. There's usually about 80% that say, ah, doesn't look good. Looks bad. I'm just being real, Pastor. I see the challenges that are ahead of us. I see the challenges in my family. I see the challenges in my finances. Good Lord, my finances. I haven't made a budget for 18 years. It looks bad, man. The credit card companies are calling me three times a day, right? And that's, that, that, that is to their credit that they know and they understand the challenges that are before them. That in itself is not a sin. It is okay to, for us to acknowledge that it is 
it is actually necessary for us to not just, uh, not just see the challenges, but acknowledge them. We can't live in this fantasy dream world and pretend like we have no problems. That only creates more problems. So the, to their credit, the first thing that we see in them is that they are acknowledging the great challenges that lie before them. The problem. The problem with the ten spies who came back is that they began to add to the very real challenges. They began to add to it a spirit of unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. Can I tell you why? Why does God people? Why does God send people to hell? Because they do not believe. The sin of unbelief is exactly what Jesus spoke about, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't think that anybody here has committed that sin. If you are worried, oh, I think I've committed the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. God doesn't have any hope for me. If you are even worried about that, then it means that you haven't committed it. <laughs> okay? But the same root of that sin the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that Jesus spoke about, that there is, there is no redemption for that sin. But the root of it is the same as the root of unbelief. The simple, the simple understanding of that sin, the, the, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, it is a life that is lived in unbelief. There's a whole life that somebody lives saying, uh, here's God providing His own precious Son, to set you free from your sins, and you say, eh, that is the sin of unbelief. And it is the opposite of what God has called us to in every area of our lives. And so added to the challenges, the very real challenges that were before them on this day, they begin to add to it the spirit of unbelief, and they brought an evil report. Listen to what they said. There we saw the giants. Okay, we see that there's giants. That's, that's a problem that we need to confront. But listen to what they add to this. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Do you see what that is? They began now to look at the challenges and define themselves based simply on the challenges. Let me ask you, do you think God looked down at His people, the ones that He had given His promise to, and He said, to, you are like grasshoppers? You're like little bugs that we can squash with just like that. Do you think that's how God thought about them? Oh, no. Do you think that that was reality? Of course not. But they looked at the challenges and said, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. It began to diminish their sense of confidence and faith. You know, if you were going to war against uh, an army of grasshoppers, you'd feel pretty good about yourself. And if you were the army of grasshoppers, even if you're only against one person, all they need is a, is a large pair of size 13 stomping boots. And you could defeat an army of grasshoppers pretty quickly. They begin to define themselves by the challenges that were before them, not based on the word that God had given to them. I believe there's people here today you are doing the same thing. You, def you are defining your own life based on the challenges that are in front of you. And yes, challenges are real. Yes, we all have difficulties that we must confront. 
But you cannot allow your life and your decisions to be defined only by the challenges. Because I tell you what, there is a God in heaven who is bigger than every challenge that you face. The problem of these 10 out of the 12 spies is they forgot who was on their side. They forgot the promise. And that by studying the challenges, spying out the land, they began to tell themselves, we cannot fight. So the evil report will always say, the giants are too big and we are too small. The problems are too massive, and we are too weak. This is what we do. My finances are, it's too challenging. There's no way I could ever do that. Well, that's not exactly true, because there's people who have been much deeper in debt than you have and got out of it, right? There are, been, there are marriages that have gone through worse than what you've gone through and still come out the other side. And so we begin to maximize our problem and minimize who we are in God. And that's what happens to many people on the edge of destiny. We say the problems are too big, the giants are too strong, and we, we are like grasshoppers. We're not strong enough. What about you this morning? Have you allowed the challenges that stand before you to fill you with the spirit of unbelief? We say things like, oh, God would never use me. I'm just a failure, too many mistakes, too many problems. God's will for my life is too hard. There's too many giants in the way. It comes out in the way that you speak. It comes out in the words that you use. Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when you find yourself saying words uh, that maximize the challenges and minimize your ability to confront them, you know that in you lies a heart of unbelief. Over and over, Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, he challenged their faith, didn't he? He said, oh, you of little what? You of little faith. It's like sometimes I can identify with those disciples. You know, they're, 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 they're trying, they're doing, you know, there's the wind and the waves, and they're out on the boat, and they think they're going to die, and Jesus wakes up from his nap. And he said, Jesus, don't you care about us? We're dying out here in the ocean. And this was his challenge. You of little faith. I mean, if that was you out on the boat in the storm, you might be feeling the same. And the challenges are real. The wind, the waves, they are real. The problems are very real. But in the midst of that, that place, in the midst of those challenges, God is saying, you of little faith, raise up your sense of belief. Raise up your faith this morning because it is not just you. God is on our side. And the old saying goes, you plus God equals a majority. You are able to win the battle when God is on our side. So words of unbelief, let's examine these just a little bit more closely today. Words of unbelief are easy. They are natural to us. They flow so easily out of our hearts. Just in the same way, it's easy for us to sin. It's easy for us to fall into temptation. It, is the, it, it requires no effort. It is easy for us to rebel. It is easy for us to be unfaithful and shady and lie to cover ourselves. It is, all, it is easy for all. And in the same way, it is easy to express doubts and fears. Oh, pastor. Oh, that looks bad. The giants. 
the walls, oh, the problems. It's easy for us. Some of you have been staying up all night worrying. And this is the spirit that it comes from, the spirit of unbelief. It's easy to fill our lives with low expectations, with zero challenges or goals. But I want to tell you, these ten spies, they represent to us the way of the natural man, how he speaks. He speaks in unbelief because that's the normal way to speak. If you see, a, they say that there are people who see the glass as half full. And there are those who see the glass as half empty. And there are those who say, you know, that glass is dirty. Somebody needs to wash it. <laughs> it's easy for us to be negative. We live in a generation that is addicted to outrage online. It is addicted to criticizing and pointing out flaws. Basically, all of social media is you see a post and then you react negative to it. That's like 80% of social media, right? <laughs> it's the 10 out of the 12 spies speaking what is easy for us, speaking what is normal to us. I want to show you the effects of the words of unbelief. Verse, uh, this is chapter 14, verse 1. So all the people lifted up their voices and cried. And they wept all night. Their hearts were broken. This is the thing they've been believing for for over 400 years. And now that they've found, finally come to the place, their hearts are broken. Oh, we can't do it. It's too hard. Their hearts were broken, depressed, full of unbelief, fear, and sadness. This is the result of negative speaking. I'm not saying that we should never confront our challenges. I'm not saying that we should live in a fantasy world where we don't acknowledge our challenges. But I am saying that in the midst of challenges, you cannot speak doubt. You cannot allow the spirit of unbelief to manifest. Because when it comes out of your mouth, this is what it produces. Depression. It produces heaviness, sorrow, weeping. Have you ever found yourself with that funky, foul, self-pity attitude? Oh, it's too hard. You know, we're reading in our, in our Bible plan, we're reading through Job right now. I, and if anybody had the right to feel sorry for themselves, it was Job. Good Lord, the man went through something that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. And yet here he is. He, yes, he, we know that he is questioning. We know that he is pondering and trying to work it out. But in the end, it says that Job never sinned with his lips. He never accused God of evil. And we know God is not closed off to our prayers. It is okay to cry out to Him in the midst of problems, but it is not okay to speak out your unbelief. We can't do it. It's too hard. I'm not up to the task. God's not going to help me. This is what is produced from words of negativity, they lifted up their voices and cried. And they wept all night. Husbands, you need to speak life into your wives so that they don't cry all night. Look at the second result. Verse 2, all the children of Israel complained. Everybody say complained. They complained against Moses and Aaron. Somebody called the ambulance. So much of church complaining is right here. 
because of unbelief. Now they are accusing Moses and Aaron. They're saying, you are not leading us well. And they begin to complain. I want to tell you, there is nothing that upset God more. If you read through this account of them wandering through the desert, nothing upsets God more than their complaints. They begin to complain, oh, how we wish we had the leeks and the garlics and the onions back in Egypt. And Oh, we want, it. We want some meat, and God finally has enough. He says, oh, okay, you want some meat? I'll give you some meat. You remember that story? And he gave them so much meat that the Bible says that there was quail coming out of their noses. He buried them in quail up to their waists. God is so awesome. Man, <laughs> man I believe God has a sense of humor. You want meat? Here's some meat. And he dumps a billion quails on top of them. Nothing upsets God more than your complaining. The bitter complaining, the, one, the kind that doesn't have an answer to it, that only exists to express doubt and unbelief. It points at leadership and says incompetent, not leading us right. Look at the third result, verse 3. Why has the Lord... Their, their ultimate complaint is not just against Moses and Aaron. Now they're complaining against the Lord himself. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should become victims. Now they're questioning the very character of God. The same God who has brought them to the point of their destiny. The same God who has performed miracles to bring them out of their bondage. The same God who's delivered them from the spirit of death. Right? The same God who passed over their house by the blood of the Lamb. The same God who gave them water from the rock. The same God who gave them manna from heaven every day to sustain them. And now they're saying, God, you haven't done enough for us. Oh, it's a good thing we don't do that anymore in 2019. It's a good thing here in Virginia Beach there are no complaints against God. Proverbs 18, verse 6, a fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Negative speaking, unbelief, has the power to take you to a place you do not want to go. Now, now that I've... uh, torn them apart. Let's put them back together. And let's look at the unusual words of faith. Thank God that the example that we have in our scripture is not just a negative one, but we have an incredible godly example to look to. Thank God that of the 12 spies that went into the land, yes, 10 of them were filled with unbelief and negative speaking, but thank God that there was two left. This is usually what happens in any group of people. The, the righteous are a minority. Get used to that as a Christian. Get used to being in the minority. You know why? Many are called, few are chosen. The road that leads to destruction is wide, and many there will be that enter in. But the road that leads to life is narrow, and few, few are they who will find the road that leads to everlasting life. The righteous are a minority in the world. 
And so it is when it comes to faith this morning. It truly is a gift of the Holy Spirit, like it says in the New Testament, the gift of faith. Some people are gifted with the spirit of faith to believe God for great things. In our scripture, we have two such examples. We have Caleb in chapter 13, verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses. He said, shut up, everybody. Stop your evil speaking. And let me tell you the real deal. Look what he said. Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. He said, there's no problem here. Yes, there's challenges. Yes, there's giants. Yes, there's walled cities. Yes, there's a Nineveh. Or not a Nineveh. There's, a, there's a, a Jericho that's waiting there with walls that have to be knocked down. Yes, I acknowledge the problems. But did you see the size of the grapes we brought back? Did you see that? It says that they brought the fruit of the land with them. I believe that they were carrying, you know, two men with a stick between them and the cluster of grapes so heavy heavier than a man, they said, this is the fruit of the land. Did you see that? Do you remember the God who opened the sea and we walked across on dry ground? He says, we can do this. We can do this. Come on, people. We can do this. We can enter in to the promise and we can do it today. We don't have to wait. But I want to tell you, it is unusual. It is not normal, faith, to truly believe God. Skipping into chapter 14, verse 7, this is now Caleb and Joshua speaking together. And they say, the land that we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land. Give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Now, I do want to acknowledge now, these can be hard words to speak. These can be difficult to say, especially when there's a giant sword in his hand waiting for you. It can be hard to say, the Lord will give us this land. It can be hard to say, we're going to work out our finances. God help us. It's hard to say sometimes, God's going to deliver me from this addiction. God's going to help me in my situation. It's hard to say those things when the challenges are there before us. When the Jericho wall is standing in front of us. And yet, those are the words that must be spoken. They must be spoken. And when I say that, I'm saying that words, you have to hear the words coming out of your own mouth. That's why we believe in prayer that is audible. Yes, I know that we, you can pray in your heart. The Bible speaks about uh, silent prayers from our hearts, and there is power in those as well. But when we pray out loud, we are speaking not only to a God, but we are hearing the words come out of our mouths and echo in our own ears. And when we say, God, I believe you, something begins to be steered. The reins on that horse's mouth begin to be pulled. And a direction is set. A course is mapped out. When we say, I can, I can go through this. I believe God will help us. Listen to Job. Again, here's Job. God help Job. <laughs> We're in the middle of his struggle, man, and gosh, I feel bad for him. But listen to what he says in Job 27, verse 4. My lips will not speak wickedness. 
My tongue will not utter deceit. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to speak negative. Here's what instead what David says in Psalm 77 verse 12. I will meditate on your work and I will talk of your deeds. This is where the power of faith begins to be sparked in your life where the direction is set, where the course is mapped like Joshua and Caleb. Yes, we can do this. Proverbs 13 verse 2. A man shall eat by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. When we speak faith, anything is possible. And that's not because you have some magic in your words. It's because there's a God in heaven who is hearing you. They say songbirds. So there's some morning people here this morning, some, some people who like getting up early in the morning. I'm, I'm not one of you. <laughs> I'll pray for you after I wake up. <laughs> but they say about songbirds, songbirds begin to sing before the light of day breaks. But you can open your window about 15 minutes before daybreak and you can hear them. They're singing the good news before it even arrives. This is what we must be, church. We must be those who speak well even into the darkness. We must be those who speak faith even into discouragement. The results of spoken faith as we close. First thing we see is separation. Out of all those spies, remember 10 of them who brought the negative report, two of them who spoke faith. How many of them actually saw the promised land? Only two. In fact, when the time came, 40 years down the road, the, all of the rest of that generation had died off because God said, I'm not bringing people of unbelief into my land. And finally, another generation has risen up. Joshua now leading them. You can read it later on in the book of Joshua. And it says that when they entered finally into the promised land, there was only two from the previous generation. Only two that came with them. Not even Moses. It was Joshua and Caleb. Their faith, their words of promise, their words of faithfulness and expectation did something in the kingdom in the, in the kingdom of God, they did something in the spiritual realm that released a blessing that, yes, they had to go back with all these unbelievers, but God, he, he marked them. So these are my men who speak my word. Your faith many times will separate you when you speak words. They were the only ones speaking faith into a cloud of unbelief. They were there with all of their friends and their family. All of their people that they loved, the close to them, but all of them in unbelief. And they said, you're crazy, Joshua. You're crazy, Caleb. More than that, verse 10, it says that the whole congregation wanted to stone them with stones. Said, oh, you quit speaking that faith. You quit judging us. Can I tell you there's no such thing as a judgment-free zone in the kingdom of God? This is not your college campus. 
By speaking faith, it resulted in a judgment on their unbelief. And many times you'll experience that to speak faith, it means sometimes you're going to have to judge someone else's unbelief. But also, the good part is that by speaking faith, something happened in heaven. Look at verse 10, again, chapter 4, chapter um, 14. It says, Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the meeting before all the children of Israel. So here is a whole nation. There's probably a million, million and a half people there. Ten of the spies come back and give this negative report, speaking evil, and all the people believe that negative report. Okay, that's a whole lot of negativity, right? And yet there's only two. Only two out of the whole congregation that are speaking faith. And those two and their faithful report, and that was enough. God says, I'm coming down for this. He says, that word was so powerful, I cannot stay in heaven. I'm coming down to the tabernacle, and I'm going to fill it with my presence because of the faith of two men. It doesn't take many. I wonder if there's anybody here that you could speak faith into an impossible situation. I want to tell you to bring glory of the Lord into your life. The Spirit of God will fill you. This is what determines our destiny this morning. Numbers 32, verse 11. Here's the report. Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and above shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they have not wholly followed me except Caleb and Joshua. For they have wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, they have completely followed the Lord. Only two out of a whole nation. Here's the words of Caleb as we close. We're going to fast forward now. The sad news at the end of this story is that they decided that they're not going in. And as the result of that decision, God says, okay, then you guys are going to wander in the desert for 40 more years. I'm going to wait until this entire generation dies in the desert, and when your children are old enough, then we'll try it again. So that's what happened. They're on the edge of their destiny, and they said, we can't do it. And God said, I guess you can't do it then. They turned back around and went back out to the desert. Forty years later, after that generation had passed away, the spirit of unbelief had gone, finally. And now Joshua is leading and Moses has died, as well as the rest of that generation. And Joshua now leading the next generation. And they're entering into the promised land. And guess who's with them? Joshua and Caleb. Now they're old men. Caleb especially. He's probably the oldest man of that, of that whole uh, congregation. He's probably 80, 90, 100 years old. I don't know. He's Pastor Mitchell. And he's coming in. He's, he's my grandma Mary. And they're coming in to the promised land. He's the only one who remembers 40 years ago. He's the only one who had witnessed the miracles that took them out of Egypt. Can you imagine? And listen to the words that he speaks. This could be you if you speak words of faith. Joshua 14, verse 11. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. 
My strength was then, so now my strength is for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the giants were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron, gave this entire wonderful area to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Will you believe God this morning? Will it be more than just a mental acknowledgement? Sure, yeah, I believe God. Will it be manifested in the words that you speak and the decisions that you make? Your future, your destiny depends on the steering of your life based on the words that you speak. I want to encourage you. Fill your life with faith that you can hear. Faith that you can hear. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. I am so grateful for the people of God here today, for the vision that stands before us. As Patrick and I were in that conference body last week, what I began to... We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.